Good evening, everyone. Did you guys notice that extremely handsome gentleman in the first cut on the race wearing the white baseball cap? I didn't think you did. <laughs> anyway, Team World Vision, if you even have a glimpse of it or you just want to um, even just knock around just the smallest of thoughts, come afterwards and we'd love to chat with you and, um, and just share with you how life-changing it can be. Well, welcome to uh, week three in our No Worries series. I can't believe it's already our third week. Amy Simpson, author of the fabulous book, Anxious, has these wonderfully insightful words for us. She says this, If the unknowable future is the most frequent cause for worry, perhaps our most gripping and powerful worries grow in the fertile soil of fears for the people and things we love and we mistakenly believe belong to us. Well, Pete was talking about some of our friends that put their first offer down on a home uh, this afternoon. And Shar and I, we began our married life in beautiful Ventura, California in the early 90s. And as we leaned into this new chapter in our lives, uh, we started to develop some rhythms. We would walk and we would drive around the neighborhood and we would look at the different homes and the, uh, that were around the church that I was serving at at that time. And we would critique and we would compare and we would dream of the day when we would have our own home. And that own home, of course, would have an incredibly perfect yard. It would have a couple of bedrooms because we were just getting started. And most importantly, it would have a garage in the back where just like Pete, I could set up my wood shop because I love woodworking and building our furniture. So we dreamed and we dreamed, and this kind of rolled on for about three years, and we finally came to the point where we were ready. There was this shift that had been made with this crazy program with little money down that the government had put out there. And so we came to that day where we were able to put our first down payment down. And so we wrote this incredibly huge check. So wait for this. But for $4,400, the largest check I'd ever written, we put our down payment on our very first home on Channel Drive in Ventura, California, and we completely drained our savings account at the time to do that. I will never forget the day when we took possession of our home, and we signed our name a billion times, and then we, on all the papers, and we got a set of keys, and we headed over to the house, put the key in the door, we opened it, and we closed the door behind us, and I just remember it being quiet. And then just sitting there with the reality that we were homeowners. We owned this little teeny cottage home in Midtown Ventura. It was ours after all of this work. We had two challenges that came with this home when we got there. One of them was about our stuff, and one of them was about the relationships that came with our new neighborhood. And the first was the stuff side. So we put that humongous down payment down that $4,400, which is less than I just put down for a car that we had to replace. And, um, and we had, so with that small down payment came a huge mortgage, of course. So we had the stress of that. We had basically upped the game with our stuff. We had our boxes and our things and our basically furnitureless little house, but our stuff, the things that we had from our money to all of our resources and our possessions, we had upped the game with that. Secondly, we had new relationships on Channel Drive. So the, the home that we bought, it wasn't in those little neighborhoods where we drove and we dreamed. It was about a mile away down in what they call Midtown. 
And so we had some neighbors that this is really true. I am not embellishing this. This is real stuff here that, um, that lived next door to us. So to the right, we had John Wayne, and that was really his name, and he referred to himself always as John Wayne, and then his last name. John ran with a social group of folks that love motorcycles, that um, they called themselves the Hells Angels, and so John was involved with that. He had incredibly serious body art back then before, like, ink was even cool, just everywhere, and he had an incredibly out-of-control anger management problem that he took out on his wife, sadly, and, um, and it was crazy living next door to John. Across the street lived Tony. So yes, this is a nice little beachside community, but Tony was the leader of what we called the Avenue Gang. There were five substantial gangs. Believe it or not, a huge part of our youth ministry was dealing with that. And Tony was the head of the Avenue Gang. And a couple weeks in, I was taking Ashley. We were jumping in the car to go over to, um, to where she was going to be in daycare. And we came outside to see that some of Tony's closest friends, about five of them in two SUVs wearing drug enforcement agency jackets, had come to visit him with their weapons drawn in the front of the house. And so Ashley and I went back in and we watched another round of Barney, which was the thing that we watched at that time and place. But our people and our stuff that came with this house was something that was big for us. And when we really think about this life that we're all walking through, the relationships we have with those that are traveling with us and our stuff, that's a really, really big deal. It takes up about most of the bandwidth of our time. And these two relationships with people and our things can be incredibly complicated. They can be a huge source of what Pete was saying earlier of just anxiety and worries. And are we going to be able to pay for this? Are we going to be able to pull this off? Is it going to be okay? They're especially worrisome when we try to control them, to own them, and make them our own in this life. And Scripture has a whole lot to say about people and the things that we try and make our own. Psalm 24.1 has these words for us. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And then flipping forward into the New Testament on the Sermon of the Mount, these words from Jesus, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So if we dive into the scriptures even further beyond these passages, we will find out very clearly and very quickly that God is the creator and owner of everything. Yet we get stuck in this human being condition that we have, wanting to hold on to things tightly, we obsess with worry. We grasp for security and for control of our relationships and with the people in our lives. This week, one of my favorite authors is Annie Lamont, and she has these, this phrase to say about worry, and it's absolutely um, beautiful. Maddie sat at the table obsessing, orbiting around herself. She was sick of her worried, hostile mind. It would have killed her long before she felt if it hadn't needed the transportation. So often we obsess 
on the control that we want in our life over people and things. So flashback to that moment. The door closes behind Shar and I, and we're in our very first home. And was it really ours? Was that the correct language? Was that the correct feeling? I know according to the county of Ventura and the people that collect our taxes and the mortgage company, pretty much, yeah, it was ours. And we were very, very responsible for that reality. But on the flip side, was it really, or were we more in the situation of having it lent to us for a period of time where we could take care of it? Is there a better word when we think of our stuff, our cars, our homes, our possessions? Is there a better word than that we own them? I wonder if there is. I actually think when it comes to our relationship with our stuff and the people that we travel through this world with, and this is so simple, but for, for me, and I know for so many of us, it, we just get, we hold on to it, that we're actually called by God to be caretakers, to take care of the things that he loans us as we travel through this life. God, our wonderful, beautiful God, is the owner of everything. And he knows what we need. And as we travel through this life, even when we want to obsess and worry and have anxiety and crank everything up really tight into that place where we just get, where we just don't know how it's going to turn out and if everything's going to be okay, God is the owner of everything. Listen to these insightful words from Amy Simpson. A little bit of a longer quote here, but this is so beautiful, it just has to be read. Our sense of possession is a fallacy. Our desire to cling to what we don't own is foolish and enslaves us to fear. It elevates our sense of self-importance and keeps us from living in boldness and freedom to respond to God's Holy Spirit. Everything and everyone we care about belongs to God. He has entrusted us with material goods, spiritual gifts, talents and abilities, relationships, opportunities and experiences, so we will take good care of them, encourage their potential, grow in faith and faithfulness, worship God with what he has given us, and ultimately bring him greater glory on earth. And yes, in the process, experience deep joy. But we do not have ownership. And this is a good thing. The people and things that mean so much to us are better off in God's hands than in ours. If we can live as if this is true, we'll have a lot less to worry about. That's from the book Anxiety by Amy Simpson, which I would incredibly in a big way recommend. Our journey over the last few weeks, um, we've really been careful to share that there's three terms, worry, anxiety, and fear, that we can really use interchangeably. And from Tracy to um, Campfield to Dan last week pulling us together, we've come back to this because these passages, what's so important is that we don't take these words and put them together because they're very distinctive, and some of them are very, very good things. The first term is worry. Worry is not a good thing because it pulls us away from trusting God. It says that we can go ahead and take our place in the driver's seat and God can go ahead and do what he's doing and we'll go ahead and take reign of our own life. That's where we get into trouble thinking that we're owning everything and we're possessing and we're holding on to it way too tightly. Anxiety. Anxiety is a semi-good thing because it tells us we tend um, 
to need to take care of someone or something. Those butterflies that you get before a race with Team World Vision, that's good anxiety. That's saying you're going to be doing something in a little bit that's going to be fun, but it's going to have a little something else that comes with it. That anxiety you get before a test or a big conversation with someone, that's good. It's a warning signal. And then fear. Fear tells us to stop because we'll get hurt. When we roll up to the railroad tracks and the bar's there and the lights are clinking, we put on the brake and we stop there. We don't keep going because we know that would be something that would be harmful for us. Fear is what tells us to slam on the brakes. Worry, anxiety, and fear. Worry enslaves us. Anxiety tips us off that we need to pay attention to something. And fear is there to protect us with that fight or flight response. So as caretakers of our relationship with our stuff and with those that we love and that those that we travel through this life, obsessing with worry seems to be the place where we get stuck. And I know this sounds ridiculously simple. You're going, okay, Dave, so bottom line tonight, you're saying, don't worry, it'll be great. You know, it's not the Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy, everything's just going to cruise and be all right. It's more of thinking about as caretakers How do we hold things loosely in this life? How do we not be enslaved with anxiety and worry trumped up together about the people, about our kids? Are they going to be okay? Is everything going to be all right? Are they going to make it through this life? Is everything going to be all right? Are they going to get in the right school? All of these things that go through our mind of obsessing, God calls us to hold on to things loosely because we're caretakers caring for what he has loaned us. He wants us to trust him from the bottom of our heart that everything will be all right and that the role for caretakers is what we were built and what we were designed for in this life. So with this tonight, as we sit here in week three of our No Worries series, how do we actually put feet on these words? How do we actually walk out from here today going, okay, I get it, Dave, what you're saying. We see what the scriptures have got for us. We're not to hold on tightly. We're not the owners. We're caretakers. God's going to give us what we need. He's going to take care of us. How do we do that? And without sounding overly simplistic, my take is that it's a change in the conversation. Instead of thinking that we're all alone and we're isolated and it's just us, and we have to take the worries of the world because we need to own everything onto our shoulders. Instead of doing that, maybe it's a conversation, not a conversation of questions that get us stuck and make us feel closed down, but more of a conversation with Jesus that opens us up to what he might want us to to notice in the world around us. It's the difference between living a closed and an open life. Our daughter Ashley spent the first three years of her life in our channel drive home. And of course, in that neighborhood, Shar and I had more than enough concerns with John and with Tony and with everything else that was going on around us. We did have crazy neighbors. We had wonderful times of laughter about it. And then we had other times it's, that we actually, for the first time ever, called 911. But on the flip side of it all, with Ashley's safety, I want to go ahead and illustrate the difference between a closed, obsessing, 
conversation where we think we have to own everything ourselves versus an open conversation of trusting God. If I was obsessing about Ashley's safety on Channel Drive, these are maybe three phrases that would go through my mind as I was sitting there going, is it going to be okay? What if somebody breaks into our house when Ashley's here and it's just Ashley and a babysitter? What if a stray bullet hits our house when Tony and the DEA stop by for one of their monthly encounters or conversations? We had a pellet go through once, but not a real bullet. What if this happens and that happens and so on and so on and so on? You could pile this huge list up. That's a list that's closed. It's a dead end. It puts all the onus on us to worry and to just be at a place where we are completely immobilized. A caretaker's conversation of trusting God goes in a whole different way. It's not questions, but it's a conversation with Jesus. It could be something like this. Jesus, please show me a way as I go through my day today to reach out and to build relationships with Tony and with John Wayne as I go about, as I'm mowing my lawn, as I'm going out for the paper back in that day, as I'm washing my car, even in Southern California. For some reason, I don't know why we did that. But it's an open phrase. Another one would be, Lord, thank you for loaning me this house to us in this neighborhood. What do I need to notice today as I drive through the streets? Who can I help today as I go through the streets and on my way to work? And then Jesus, what do I need to pay attention to to bring life and light to my little world known as Channel Drive? Do you see the difference in those two conversations? One of them is shut down, obsessing. It's all these questions because we're taking a responsibility on ourselves that God never intended us to take. The other one is a conversation. And suddenly, the thing that, you'll, that is so wonderful about this is you're driving through your car. And when you get into this rhythm a little bit, you actually feel everything is going to be okay. And you feel the tension go away because the tension... And all of the worry is being transferred on to God because God's the one that needs to own the situation. We just need to caretake of our relationships and of the things that God has given us. We don't need all that other responsibility. It was never meant for us. So tonight, as you go about your evening, and maybe even when you put your head back on the pillow and you start to swirl with the how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to afford this? What's going to happen with this relationship? How am I going to manage this tough conversation that I know is waiting for me maybe at work on Monday morning? What are we going to do about that thing, that noise that's, that the furnace is making? And what if it go? you know, you start rumming through all of these things. When that starts to happen tonight, think to yourself. You go, okay, I'm a caretaker. I'm not an owner. Jesus What do I need to pay attention to right now? Why am I feeling like this as I'm trying to fall asleep? Can you point out to me what's going on? Can you help me see how I can move toward people and how I can hold on loosely to the things around me? Maybe that's a posture for tonight as we walk away from here. So one more time, back to Tony and John Wayne and God's amazing lesson in holding things loosely for us. So John Wayne, when the North Ridge earthquake hit, It was the only time we had ever had an earthquake that had hit so hard that I actually got out. In California, everybody has three things by their bed. Back then, a flashlight, I guess that's replaced by the contemporary phone. You had a pair of shoes there in case glass had come in. 
and then you had a wrench, and you had a wrench so that you could shut off your gas if, if the pipe had, bro- had broken. This was the first time I'd ever put on the shoes, got out of the house, went around, sniffed around, got ready to shut off the gas because it literally felt like our house got picked up and dropped back on its foundation. We were, out, we were without power for like two and a half days, and about 10 a.m. the next morning, it's one of those things, it's kind of like the, the Midwest version of a, you know, a snow day. It's an earthquake day. Everybody's at home. Nobody's got power. You can hear, you know, a few places you can hear generators around. And the first thing, I go out into the backyard with a cup of coffee, and there's John Wayne, and he's hucking a huge extension cord. He's like, you know, got to plug in your fridge. We've got to make sure nothing goes bad with your food. John was the first person that reached out to us to make sure that we didn't lose all the food that was in our refrigerator. And then Tony across the street. Um, there was an, a time when I was on a mission project, and Char had taken Ashley out and put her in the car in her car seat and then just proceeded to lock the keys in the car with Ashley in the car seat in the back seat. And Tony came out, and we were very thankful that he couldn't get into my little 1973 VW. He could not break into it, so that was good. Um, but Tony stood there with Char while she waited for AAA to come and to get the keys out of the car. My worries, the obsession, the concerns, thinking that I needed to own everything and make everything okay, were a lie. God blessed us numerous times by the people in and around that little dwelling on Channel Drive. And our God is good. He calls us to be careful with what he's loaned us in this life. And we're caretakers that serve an amazing God who's called us to trust him by completely changing the conversation. Listen to these words from the message version of Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 12. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try and figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Your body will glow with health and your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. Would you pray with me? And as the band comes up, before I actually start praying, what I'd like us each to do is to where we're sitting is just to take both of your hands and put them out in front of you on your legs and start squeezing as you hear my voice as hard as you can to the point where you see white and you see red and you see purple. And close your eyes and think of the things right now that you're trying to own. Is it a person, a family member, child or a parent, a boss or a co-worker? Ask God to point out to you if there's anything else in your life that you're holding on to right now with the fallacy that you think you own it when you just really need to be a caretaker and to hold it loosely. Keep squeezing as hard as you can and picture the faces, and the things. And then open your hands and just feel the release of the life of the caretaker. Would you pray with me? Father God, this...
sermon, this passage that we're going through in this No Worries series, on the outside it seems, it seems so trite possibly and so simple. But yet, God, in the simplicity, there's complex stuff that we just get stuck worrying about and we obsess about. And God, we hold on way too tightly and we take on a job that's not even ours. We try and own those that we love the most and we collect stuff and we think it's ours. God, help us to let things go, to live an open life, to start a new conversation with you tonight that moves us away from obsessing and worrying and taking control of our own lives to walking with you and writing a better story where you're at the center of everything we do, everything you've given us, everything that you've loaned us as your caretakers and your followers on this world. And we pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen.